Three shots, four part, I just do two, one pup, pop four, birdie, woohoo, new driver, info, replace, M2, pop five, fairway, what you finna do? Think I'll try to get on into, start right, good line, good view, it drew, shoot him, make Gavin, two thumbs that's up high and two fingers pointed. The green jacket is going north of the border. Mike Weir has won the Masters. Sometimes these part three look like an island. I punch and keep it on dry land. At least I'm a try man. I up with the five and might use the trap man. I got a check man. Last thing will boss be rated that best man. And where that ball land, watch that's on my hand. Okay, welcome to On the Screws podcast. This is uh, a really incredible episode. Um, I hope you don't mind me calling you a golf legend around these parts, uh, Bob. But uh, yeah, Bob Weeks has joined us. So how are you doing, Bob? I don't know if I've ever been called a legend before, but uh, maybe in my own mind, I guess, but uh, definitely not on the golf course. So, uh, no, good to be here with you. Absolutely. Like, I've watched you, like I was saying, on uh, Score Golf and stuff for years. So, you were a TSN, the senior um, golf reporter there, and you've got your own podcast as well with Golf Talk Canada. So, I uh, tune in um, every Monday, Wednesday, and, and uh, you know, listen to the podcast as ever, however I can. So, maybe you can just um, give us an idea if there's anybody listening who doesn't know you. I don't know a lot of the, a lot of them are Canadian, so I think they will, but give us an idea of uh, maybe your career. Uh, sure. So um, I started way back in, uh, in fact, I started October 5th, 1987 with Score Golf and uh, stayed there for a long tenure. And I had kind of a period where I was in overlap um, working with both Score Golf and TSN. I was a full time employee at TSN, but we had a show on Score Golf and I did uh, a lot of work with Score Golf. It was kind of a, it's, the relationship was very complicated and difficult to ex- explain, but. Uh, about six years ago, I moved over to, to TSN full time, and uh, been there ever since. And I guess just been uh, covering golf and covering golf courses and Canadian golf and Canadian golfers for uh, for that period. Now, thirty four years, I guess that is. So, um, a long uh, a long run. It's been fun. Run. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if we can dive right into some of the Canadian content. Um... This year we had the Canadian Open canceled again. So I know a couple of weeks ago you guys had uh, Lawrence Applebaum on, I believe, and you were chatting with him a little bit. So what do you think about the Canadian Open, the future of it? Um, you know, any any thoughts on it being canceled this year? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's sad. It's sad in so many ways. It's sad for the fans primarily. It's sad for the Canadian golfers who come back. We've got you know such a great uh, crew of Canadian guys who want to break that drought. Um, we've got uh, television. I mean, we would have loved to have been doing stuff there as well. I, I don't think um, there was any other way around it. It's just the way the rules are right now for COVID that, you know, you can't bring guys in and expect them to quarantine for two weeks to, before they play a golf tournament. And even Canadian golfers aren't going to come over here and, you know, sit in their house and not touch a golf club for two weeks and then come out and play a PGA Tour event. So it was sort of fait accompli, and I think we saw the writing on the wall for, for quite a while. Um, before it actually got pulled, um, I don't think there's any worry about it going forward. Though it's uh, it's a big event. It's sponsored by one of the biggest sponsors on the PGA Tour in RBC. You know they have the RBC Heritage and this event, so they give a lot of money to uh, to the PGA Tour. So um, I'm sure that uh, if the rules are in place and everything works well next year, that we'll see this tournament back. And um, listen, it's uh, it's not great. It's it's terrible that uh, we've had to pull it, but it's the right decision to make in this time. And, We'll see what happens with the CP Women's Open down the road in September. Maybe things will be better by, or late August, actually. I guess things will hopefully be better by then. We'll see if that one can go ahead. Well, I know, too, with, uh, like, I'm a big hockey fan, as a lot of us are, right? So we uh, 
we just heard about um, the NHL dropping the quarantine to seven days. So, you know, hopefully that'll kind of help by the time we get to, you know, the women's, uh, the women's open. And, um, you know, I just, I feel like as a fan, there's so many thoughts about, could we have done it at Cabot and things like that? But you're right. The quarantine, the two week quarantine just wouldn't have worked. And the, the positive thing is it almost seems like this weekend has been adopted as like a, you know, a, a Canadian open. We've got so many Canadians in the field this weekend and a defending champ in Corey Connor. So, um, I think that the Valero open will be, uh, will be a pretty cool event. I think it'll be a lot of fun to. To watch. Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of thoughts, and there was lots of people who reached out to me and said, "Well, why can't we do it uh, at Cabot, or why can't we do it at another place?" And you know, there's just no way that you're going to convince American players to come up here and give up two weeks to play a golf tournament one week, and that is a week before the U.S. Open. So it's it's sad and that's disappointing. But uh, yeah, we listen. We had we just finished up a great week last week with uh, with, with so many great performances. Michael Liggett finishing fourth and. Uh, Matt Hume's getting out of the, the round of 16, which actually gave him a, a tie for ninth officially. And, uh, uh, we had, we had Adam Stenson winning on the, on the Corn Ferry Tour. We had Motivi LeBlanc finishing second. So, you know, we had this, this tremendous run. Drew Nesbitt finished second on PGA Tour Latino America. Brooke Henderson had the top 10. So, uh, listen, there's great performances and it's sad that we can't watch them at home. And listen, I've talked to all those players and they all want to play in Canada. It's the one week a year that they, they love. Um, but they all understand the circumstances right now, and uh, and next year will be uh, be even sweeter for these guys to come back with uh, with a bunch of wins into the belt. Absolutely. Can I put you on the spot? Ask you your uh, maybe your favorite Canadian player right now. Right now, I, I don't know if I have a favorite. I, I like I like the way they're all playing. I kind of as a journalist, I try not to be favorite. But listen, of they're all friends. They're all good guys. I talk to them on a regular basis. They've been. I, I will tell you this. In the pandemic, um, you know, normally I'm, I'm on the road 120 weeks a year and I'm at a lot of tournaments and I get to talk to these guys and um, pick their brain and maybe have dinner with them once in a while. And, and, and I could just tell you that that um, to a man, to a woman, every one of them has been gracious with their time and answering calls, doing Zoom calls, <laughs> doing interviews and uh, making my job and a lot of other reporters' jobs very easy or easier, I guess, than it would normally be. So um, they're all really good people. But, you know, the, in, the, in the big scope of things, the Canadian golf community is pretty small. And so I think uh, I think that we all kind of respect each other's jobs and abilities. And uh, you don't like to say you're cheering for any one player, but it's listen, it's, it's great when you have Brooke Henderson winning or Corey Connors winning or Nick Taylor winning or whoever it is. And so you, you have to watch that fine line between cheering for them and reporting on them. But... Um, listen, it's uh, it's it's a great time to be covering Canadian golf right now with so many good players and and more to the point, so many good people. Yeah, that's a great answer. I know, um, like I was listening in on Golf Talk Canada yesterday, and one of the stats you gave kind of blew my mind. I'm a big Brooke Henderson fan, love her swing. I think she's just an incredible player. And uh, is it 41 percent of uh, her starts are top tens? Yeah, 41 percent. Wow. She finished 56 56 top tens. And that's really only counting her official start. She had a few more uh, before she was a, a full bona fide LDJ tour player. So, uh, listen, if you give that to if, if you give that stat and said Adam Hadwin has finished or Corey Connors has finished forty one percent top tens, I mean they would make millions of dollars. It would be uh, it would be an outstanding achievement. So I think we under underappreciate just how good Brooke Henderson is. I know she's um, she's got a lot of wins, obviously more than any other Canadian. Uh, but but I think we underappreciate just what a talent she really is. 
Sorry about that, Bob. I think my uh, power just popped out, but I'm I'm good there. So, um, so you've played, you've been all over Canada. I was actually just watching a couple of your uh, YouTube videos today and whatnot. Like I, I saw one with like Mike Weir and back in 2008, kind of chatting with him and stuff. So yeah, uh, YouTube's great for that. Just kind of, kind of checking out some of the old content and whatnot. So what's your favorite course in Canada? Now I know you've got a family kind of connection to some courses out down East, but, uh, Maybe your favorite course, or, and maybe your favorite one to play. Uh, I, I get asked that question a lot. I have, I have a little difficulty in answering it, you know, perfectly because there's so many good courses in this country, and I have been very, very lucky to play basically from coast to coast. I belong to a course in Toronto called Weston, which is uh, I've top forty golf course as of the Score Golf ranking, and I, I love that. That'd be my number one. Obviously, I play it as often as I can. I'm hoping I once once I get back from the Masters, we can get out there and the course will be open. Um, I love the Cabot courses, Cabot Links and Cabot Cliffs. I'm kind of, I kind of go back and forth as to which one I like better. I, I loved Cabot Links when I first opened. Uh, I love Cabot Cliffs. I played both on opening day. I was very lucky on their on their respective opening days. Uh, and I thought Cabot Cliffs kind of blew me away. And then the last time I was out there, I kind of thought, yeah, maybe I like the Links better. But anyway, too, that's a, that's a good decision to have. Yeah, for sure. And uh, out west, I love Jasper. Uh, I think Jasper is the most playable golf course in Canada. To me, you can go around there. You can be a 20 handicapper or two handicapper and get challenged and have fun and enjoy it and get um, just, you know, jaw-dropping scenery. But then, I don't know, there's so many good golf courses in this country. Toronto Golf is a great golf course. Uh, Shadow Whistler is a great golf course. Charlottetown, uh, or sorry, Prince Edward Island has, uh, you know, Crowbush. And you're right, there's a connection there. My great-grandfather was one of the 12 founding members of the first golf course in Prince Edward Island, which is now called Brutonelle was then called the Charlottetown Golf Club. Um, so I like going out to Prince Edward Island because there's, you know, great golf courses all within a very short uh, visit. You can go hit about 10 golf courses in about 15-minute drive to each one, and they're all good and good value. So um, we're lucky in this country to have so many good golf courses, and, and I don't begrudge anybody who says, oh, you're wrong, you're, that's not a good golf course, or that is a good golf course, uh, because I think that's what that's what's great about Canadian golf is – you can have an argument. I, I always joke. I said, you can tell someone that their spouse is, uh, or someone will tell you their spouse is ugly before they'll say their golf course is bad. You know, <laughs> it's just a, kind of a, a kind of a thing that goes on with golf courses. And that's why I think rankings are so successful because, um, you know, no one's right. No one's wrong. You can have your favorite golf courses. And as long as you enjoy it, that's what's important. Yeah, I, I've been out. Uh, I've been out east a couple times. Only been to PEI one time, so I was able to drive through a lot of the courses. Didn't get to play any of them, unfortunately. We we're on a, a condensed timeline, but I love uh, Charlottetown. It's beautiful, and and I didn't get out to Cabot at all. Um, we had gone up the Cabot Trail, but we had lost the day due to weather. So uh, my wife and I ended up kind of just walking the Skyline Trail and stuff. But I did get to play a course. Uh, it's I guess just a little bit wet. Um, sorry, a little bit west of. Uh, Nova uh, Halifax, which is called Chester, and it was amazing, yeah. kind of right. Yeah, so nice, yeah, nice course. You can, find, you can find golf courses that are kind of off the beaten track a little bit and, uh, and fall in love with them. It's, yeah. Uh, it's really fun to have. Well, every hole was kind of different. It reminds me of uh, a clip I saw of you hitting a driver into a, a short par three at Cabot Cliffs, right? So we're lucky to have that problem in Canada, right? Like if you're if we're debating over the best golf courses, then that's a good debate to have, right? So that's exactly right, exactly right. Yeah, that's uh, that, that <laughs> clip was actually taken on the – I think it's the 14th hole at Cabot Links, and it was before it had officially opened. It was just the year before it officially opened. We went down to do a story on it, and a, uh, a basically a gale, which is, uh, I mean, essentially a hurricane came in, a small hurricane, and we walked out there to try and get this shot, 
which is at a 114-yard hole, uh, very similar to the seventh hole at um, at uh, Pebble Beach. And the wind was just howling in, and the first guy came up and he hit a hybrid and went up in the air and actually landed behind us. It blew behind wow. us. The wind was so strong. So I hit this driver, a little punch-down driver, and still never made it to the green. So the guys, uh, the caddies who were there, and a couple of them who were with us that day will always say, uh, yeah, well, you know, you can hit a driver on this hole, and people won't believe it because it's... For sure. You know, sandwich now, but anyway, I guess that's uh, as you said, YouTube preserves all these things. Yeah, you can't you can't hit a fifty degree wedge or anything, fifty two degree wedge into that green for sure. I, I uh like I just love the idea of kind of playing in those in those areas, like on the water. Like I know Chester was right on the Atlantic Ocean as well, so it was really cool. Um we got rained on for one hole which was amazing. Like it, once we got out, once we, you know, I think it was like the third or fourth hole on the water. And then we, you know, walked a little bit up the fairway and we were fine. And, uh, it's so crazy how much it changes and, and I don't know, just really, really cool golf in Canada. So, uh, maybe I can ask you your, before I move on, I definitely want to chat about the masters a little bit, but maybe I can ask you about your, uh, if, if you had a dream foursome, what would it be? Uh, you know, I get asked that question a lot too. And I, and it changes from time to time. I think one of the guys who'd be on there would be Arnold Palmer. Uh, I got to Arnold Palmer has a connection to my home course at Weston. It's where he won his first PGA tour event, the 55 Canadian open. And there's a statue of Arnie on the first bowl. And so I've, I've, I got to know Arnie a little bit, um, through a number of different, uh, means and interviews and stuff that we did. He always very, very generous guy, big hearted guy, always remembered my name. Um, just a lovely, lovely human being and a great golfer and a fun guy to play golf with. I never, I didn't only play three holes with him one time at an exhibition, uh, but I, I would have loved to have him in my force. And so that would be one. Um, I don't know. The second one might be, the second one would probably be my dad. Uh, my dad, who was still going strong at 88, we played, we play golf uh, every Monday. We did the last year in the pandemic anyway, when I was home a lot more. So that was kind of fun. And I always have good talks and good tales. And, and you know, those are days that I know that, uh, will come to an end at some point. So, uh, so I cherish each and every one of them. And then, uh, I guess for my, um, my fourth member of that group, who would I pick? That was, this is the one that always changes. Uh, people ask me about the, the most memorable interview I did. And I did a, an interview with Charlie Sifford, who was the first African American to play, uh, on the PGA tour. And that was a very, very, um, memorable interview. And it just kind of really hit me. So I think maybe Charlie Sifford would be the guy to round out the group. He was a bit of a grumpy guy. Um, but for what he did and for what he went through, um, to kind of open some doors, I think it would have been really cool to listen to him for 18 holes. Yeah. Check on my car for the scope. Nope. See that I'm fresh through the low. Nope. Go ahead and count out the birdies so far. It's three in a row. 224 to the hole. No hybrid behind. I pull as a foe. They say that you drive for the show. They say that you puff for the dope. So let's let's get into the masters. Let's talk about it a little bit more. So you're you're heading down. You were just saying no no eighteen hour bus ride with Duffy this year. So <laughs> no, this year we're going to go down. They've given us a plane to go down. So uh, it's been a bit of a, a journey here. We got uh, we got two COVID tests already. This is one more before we leave. we get on the plane. We get down there. We go right into a hotel in Augusta quarantine, um, and then we get a as soon as we get a negative test, we can move into our house. Uh, for your listeners who don't really know, Augusta is a pretty small town. They don't have a bunch of whole big hotels or anything. So uh, people let lease out their houses. So we rented the same house now for, for a number of years. It's a big house. There's eight of us, I think, in there. And the only place we can go, we, we were there, same thing in November, is, is the house or the golf course. And the golf course will be tested. I think it's every two days, maybe every three days. Um, so they're taking a lot of precautions. You basically have to wear your mask anytime 
you're uh, you're on the property at Augusta National. So it'll be interesting to kind of see um, to get down there, and, and by the time we get down there, it'll be we'll have a, a, a healthy journey. It won't be quite like they did at the bus in November, where we had to take an 18-hour trip down there. But um, it's going to be myself and Graham Dillette, uh at at the golf course, and then James Duffy will be back here. He couldn't come down this year because trade deadline is the Monday right. after the, the Masters finishes, so he's staying in Toronto because he just couldn't make the uh, the connections all work. So he's going to stay there and um, and host from Toronto along with Mark Sacchino. And uh, we'll be back and forth uh, with, with him and us, and then should uh, hopefully we'll keep our fingers crossed that everything works and uh, technology is there and we, everything goes smoothly. Really looking forward to that. That'll, I, I you know, it's got to be something that obviously that you guys look forward to each year. And, and we're going to have three Canadians in the field or, or maybe more. Uh, we've still got one more, one more opportunity. So, um, do you have any predictions for maybe the Valero this weekend? And then let's, uh, let's go with the Masters. Um, well, the Valero is sort of a, it's, it's not a hugely deep field. Uh, I, I picked three players. I like Charlie Hoffman. He's uh, 14 for 14 and making the cut there. He's won it a couple, he won it one a few years ago. He was runner up to Corey Connors as well. So I like his chances. And uh, the last two winners, Andrew Landry and Corey Connors, were both the number one in strokes gained approach that week. And, uh, and Charlie is 14th, I think. I might have that number quite, might be 18. Uh, and strokes get approached for the year, so that's a, that's a good stat to have for Charlie. I, uh, I also picked Brandon Steele, and uh, he's played well there as well in the past. I, I like his chances. And then my third pick was kind of off the radar a little bit was uh, Brandon Grace. He's won this year already, won the opposite field event in Puerto Rico, and he's coming in off a couple of top tens. So um, those were my three picks. I mean, I, I try to avoid going with the real obvious, you know, might be Jordan Spieth who's there or yeah. things like that. It would have been Dustin Johnson until he pulled out. Um, so I try to avoid too many of those because give people a, a little bit of a different uh, take on who might be there around there. And then as for Augusta, man, I tell you, this is a tough year. Um, I would have picked Dustin Johnson because he was so hot uh, leading into maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago. But I, he's kind of cooled off, and that's kind of got me a little bit nervous. Uh, he's, you know, anytime you're the defending champion, obviously you've got a lot of things on your plate, a lot of different, little bit more media. You got a champions dinner, so there's. There's different things that, that kind of take up your time. Um, he, you know, only three people have defended Jack Tiger and Nick Faldo. So uh, it's not a rare occurrence, but I think, you know, if he gets his game where he wants it to be, when he's playing his best golf, he's the best golfer in the world, I think. Yes. But I think there's, you know, John Rahm, I think is a good opportunity. Justin Thomas played well, obviously, at the Players' Championship. Listen, Jordan Spieth is playing yeah. pretty well right now. That would be quite a story if he got, came back and then won there. And then, um, you know, I think our Canadian guys have, have good legitimate chances. Corey Connors tied the 10th in November. Um, I was having a conversation with his coach, Derek Ingram, today, going talking about what he's been doing. And, um, you know, he's got a really good game for Augusta National. He wears out the middle of the fairway. He wears out the middle of the green. And his putting has improved drastically this year. That's the biggest improvement with Corey. And we'll switch to a left-hand low after the PGA Championship last year, and has been working really, really hard at it. And so I think I think um, you got to consider him as a legitimate chance to to win a green jacket. Yeah, he's a premier ball striker, and obviously everybody knows that you got to be a ball striker at uh, Augusta, right? So I think I think this year. Um, what about Tony Finau? You got any thoughts on Tony Finau? Tony kind of falls into that uh, Dustin Johnson, you know, like yeah. a month ago, six weeks ago, I would have said, yeah, for sure. He's played well in Augusta National before, and, and I just, he just seems to have fallen off the radar. And um, you don't know if, if these guys can get motivated enough 
that that'll drive into their golf game um, to play well. I mean, I've seen that happen before, uh, obviously with with some guys who just kind of get on a roll. And you know, the year that Mike Weir won, he missed the cut the week before at the Bell South. So you never know how guys play yeah. uh, week before and week after. It can be can be totally different. But Tony Finau's got a great game for Augusta National. Loves to draw the ball, and he's got some uh, some some length off there and some pop. Um, you know, he just is and sort of a guy who's not been able to close the deal. And uh, boy, he's come close enough so many times this year. Obviously, Riviera was was close with uh, Max Holma and probably should have won that, but um, should have doesn't get it done. So I don't know. There's as I say, there's there's probably sort of 10 of the usual suspects that you could pick from and the winner right. would come from that group. Um, but, but there's, to me, there's just no real clear cut favorite right now. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, also a big Cameron Smith fan and as well as Sanjay. So both of those guys played really well in November. So I'm kind of hoping to, to watch a bit of them, but I, I'm leaning towards Tony Fee now. I think that's just cause I don't know, maybe I'm a glutton for punishment and I just want to see, you know, I'm, I'm a Leafs fan as well. Right. So I'm used to, uh, I'm used to that kind of disappointment at times. So um, so if you had a prediction for the Canadians in the field, so we got Mike Weir, Corey Connors, Mac Hughes. So I'm a big Mac Hughes fan. My name's Mac, right? So obviously I'm a Mac Hughes fan. So, um, do you have a prediction of, of who's coming out there? Like it definitely sounds like Corey Connors, but Mac Hughes is playing good golf right now too. Yeah. Listen, last week I picked Mac to come out of the match play and, uh, it, it, it was, it was, or picked Corey to come out of the match play. It was Mac that came out. Uh, both are, I talked to, to Mike Weir this week and, um, and he's on Sunday, and he said, you know, both those guys have good games, good enough games to contend. Um, they both got a little pop in their driver. They can get it out there. They can chase it out there. They're both pretty consistent. I think uh, week in, week out, Mac is probably a better putter. Uh, but as I said before, Corey's game is, is coming around on the, on the green. He's in the same switch to the left hand low. He's got a new caddy. He started the year. A guy named Dan Solis from Edmonton uh, went to Kent State as well and has. Uh, has been helping them kind of read the greens. They're, they're getting started on the greens, just confirming things. And, and that's a big thing, just having the confidence to kind of hit the ball and get the speed right on some of those greens. Matt is, um, I think this is only his second Masters, might be third. And he, he's got a lot of confidence in his game. He sort of started, you know, at the end of last year, played so well and started this year kind of mediocre. But last week, I think, gives him a lot of confidence. Uh, he's taking this week off to prepare. And I, I think he's got a... Uh, a good solid chance for good performance. Mike Weir is, is not going to win the green jacket. I think we've, we've been, you know, barring a miracle and I don't want to ever shut the door on anybody, but you know, he is playing some inspired golf right now. And, and to see him last November, make the cut and except for the last round, really play solid golf all around. I think it was just, um, just relieving for him to be able to, to go out there and, and be competitive and, and not be, uh, struggling to find some, some game. I'll tell you, I, there were some dark days with Mike over the last 10 years when his game was just really, really a struggle. And um, I talked to one PGA Tour player who played around with him, played the first two rounds with Mike, actually. Uh, but after the first round at the Masters, maybe four or five years ago, I can't remember exactly, uh, he, he saw me after the round and he said, came up to me and he said, you know, Mike Weir didn't have the, one of the all-time great world-class short games he might not have broken 100 today, and that's that's really how bad Mike was. Now he's in just not only a great place with his golf game, but a great place in his life. He's happy, he's settled, he's comfortable, he's playing well on the Champions Tour. So uh, I think he'll have a good week and, and four rounds for him and, you know, top 25 finish would, would be great. Yeah, he's down in Palm Springs right now too, uh, warming up. So I'm, I'm sure he's doing pretty well. He's got a little bit better weather than we do. But uh, now if you're... He, 
Obviously, the concession items. I got to ask you about the concession items. I've I've never been to a I've never been to the to uh, Augusta. I've never uh, you know walked the course, anything like that. But every year the the concession items pop up. So, what's your favorite item to pick up? So I'm an egg salad junkie. Okay. And, uh, I love the egg salad sandwiches. They have uh, they have for those who haven't gone, they they just have a bunch of sandwiches. There's egg salad. There's ham and cheese. There's the Masters Club. Uh, there's a pulled pork sandwich, and I think there's a pimento cheese sandwich, and I might, might be missing one, maybe turkey sandwich, but they're all made, and they're all put in these little green envelopes, and you walk through, and you can get a, an egg salad sandwich and a beer for $5. But the prices are unbelievable. If you've ever tried to get a beer at the at the Scotiabank Center at a Leaf game, you know that the, yeah. <laughs> probably that, that gets you maybe half a beer or something. Anyway, um, but I, I'll tell you, I must down... I got to think a dozen, 15 of those a week. It's terrible. <laughs> and I've only had the pimento cheese sandwich once. When the first time I went to the Masters, uh, Lauren Rubenstein took me under his wing and he said, here, try this, Bob. This is uh, one of the most famous sandwiches at Augusta. I ate one pimento cheese sandwich and that was enough for, uh, forever. But one of the interesting things is this year, both the pimento cheese and the egg salad sandwich have their own t-shirt. You can get an egg salad Masters t-shirt <laughs> on the souvenir stand. So... That's going to be uh, that's going to be on my purchase list for sure. Yeah, I might have to order one of those. I know one of uh, one of the guys I work with. He, um, I don't know, he might listen to the, the podcast, but uh, his name is Mike Terlinski, and he goes down every few years or so. Uh, he gets tickets, so maybe uh, if he gets on the list for next year, I'll get him to uh, to grab me one of those t shirts. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, so maybe we can just talk about the the ANA this weekend. Um, when I when I release this podcast, people will be listening to this right now on Friday evening, so we'll be just concluding the second round. So, what are your thoughts uh, for the weekend? Well, ANA is, uh, is to me the women's masters. It's, it's you know the one that's played at the same golf course. It's a, uh, really a consecutive consecutively played on the same golf course. It's been around for a long time. Uh, I think um, you know I, I love this tournament. I think uh, it's fun to watch it. I think you always seem to get a really good winner or a really good finish. I think Brooke Anderson is in a good place. She obviously lost in a playoff last year. Um, she hasn't gotten off to the best of starts by Brooke Anderson standards, and those are pretty lofty standards, so I'm, I'm, I'm sort of couching my words there a little bit. She topped 10 last week at, at the Kia Classic at Aviera. Um, but I think she's got her, her game in a good shape right now. She's, you know, obviously she lives and dies with bad putting and bad chipping, or good putting and good chipping, depending on the week. When her putter is hot, man, she just, uh, she, can, she can beat anybody. Um, she's done a little bit of tinkering with her putting reading. She's been spending a lot, a lot of time in the off season working with a, a level to try and figure out breaks and to get her feet adjust. Sort of, you know, like the old uh, I can't remember the what they uh, there's a, a putting system where they use their feet to try and read the greens. So she's trying to get a better handle on reading greens. She's also going to uh, go to left hand low for shorter putts. So inside ten feet, she feels she's more consistent now. This will be the first turn that she tries it in. I don't know, trying to get a major, but <laughs> I guess that's yeah. for her. Um, so, you know, and if she can she can kind of use her distance to her an advantage, uh, that'll be very important for her. So I think she's got a good chance. But right now, you know, Indy Park is playing well. She just won. The Corda sisters are playing well. I'd love to see a good performance from Elena Sharp. You know, she's tied for 17th in this tournament two years ago. She's battling a bit of a hip injury, but I hear it's uh, it's not too bad. So, um, fun to watch, good tournament, and then first major in the year. So what's not to like? Yeah, no, uh, no giant blue wall this year either. Apparently, no, so disappointing. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, like 
obviously Lexi Thompson's kind of always knocking on the door as well. But I, I think I, I want to see Brooke come through. Obviously, as a Canadian, I want to see her come through and get a win. Um, but the Corda sisters are they're unbelievable. Like they're yeah, you know. You know Brooke, Brooke's in a tough place because everyone everyone's pulling for her. We have, she has so many fans, and, and we expect things so much of her. And I think um, you kind of underappreciate just how good she is. And I always get mad every year when they do the uh, Lou Marsh voting that uh, she doesn't get enough votes in consideration for Canadian athlete of the year. And sometimes it's tough when you have like Bianca Andreescu winning the U.S. Open tennis. But uh, but I think before she her career is done, you know, I think she'll have multiple majors and she'll go down obviously as the the most successful Canadian up to that point. Uh, she already is in terms of wins, but in terms of, of quality of wins, I think, uh, boy, the sky's a limit for her. Absolutely, yeah. And it kind of makes me think going with the left hand. Uh, well, we're both lefties, so for you and I, that you're a lefty, right? So for you and I, that'd be right hand low, but... Uh, for the mass, uh, the masses. I, I went to a milled faced, uh, I've always played kind of like a heel slant putter, um, an Odyssey number nine. And I went to a Scotty Cameron Del Mar this year. So it's my first year of the milled face and it's got a bit of a different loft on it. So I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Cause I noticed my short putts, the ball starts a lot different with my short putts than it does with a lag putt. So, um, that's kind of interesting. I want to look that up. Cause, uh, I, I, I would, you know, or else we're going to end up carrying two putters in the bag or something for, for long putts. Uh, listen, but. listen, Nota, Nota Begay, when he played, uh, he had a uh, basically like a bullseye putter that was that was the same on either side. And depending on which way the putt would break, he would either putt left-handed or right-handed. So wow. So, so check that one out. Maybe that's, maybe that's the key to your good I, I don't I don't know about that. I know uh like I know my brother growing up, like he switched from lefty to righty just to get easier clubs and like so he could probably be still break ninety playing from our side of the tee box. But uh the great Canadian golfer Jim Nelford uh played right handed but putted left handed because he grew up putting with his uh, mother's putter and she happened to be left handed. So he made made good use of that. Yeah, I've heard that. One of the uh one of the T S N guys do that too. I think Hazy does that. He's got a double-sided swing. I don't know. I played golf with uh, with him, and uh, he's he's a sneaky good player. So uh, whatever he's doing, it's working. Yeah, I've uh, I listened to Overdrive quite a bit. I'm a big hockey fan as well, and I'm always kind of listening to those guys. So that's uh that's a question I want to ask you though. Um, best scramble team at TSN. Oh boy. <laughs> well, I mean, heads down, hands down, I should say Mark Sakino is the best golfer at TSN. He's he's a plus handicap. I mean, he's. He's Absolutely. Records and uh, he's good, and he's he's frustratingly good because he's uh, not necessarily the greatest putter, but he's found a little system that works for him, which is good. And uh, but generally speaking, he's my partner when we play. Uh, we play a game against Adam Scully, who's also on our show and is the producer, and Nick Oldrich from TaylorMade. So we generally we generally handle them. But okay, so that would be the best scramble team would be would be probably uh, Mark Sakino, Jeff O'Neill. Uh, who plays at Western at my club. He's a legitimate scratch, maybe two, three. He may have slipped a little bit. Uh, he just had the shoulder yeah. surgery too, right? So he's... Yeah, so that's right. So he could be on the DL for a little bit. Yeah. But after that, you know, it might be... Uh, it, there's there's drops down a little bit from what I can remember. I mean, James Duffy is pretty good. He's probably just a shade better than I would be. I say James is maybe 9, 10, 11, and I'm probably 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. Adam Scully would be a good scramble player because he hits it an absolute mile. Um, he doesn't always have the right address on it, but when he's in the fairway, it's a pretty good shot. So there's some there's some people to pick up. And you know what? Some of the uh, some of the women are pretty good golfers. Kara uh, Wagman's a good golfer. Lindsay Hamilton's a good golfer. Uh, so we can mix it up certainly and, and have that. Uh, that can. Jake Poulin can play a little bit of golf. He's another guy at Weston as well. So. 
Uh, we got a good crew at uh, we got a crew. Drake, Drake's been playing. Yeah, I think I was listening to the Leafs lunch a little while ago, and I think Pooley said he was around like a five or a six or something. Like he's a yeah, somewhere in there. He's yeah, a, we have a good we have a good crew at Weston, where it was Jeff O'Neill, Dave Pool, and myself, and then Brad Faye from Sportsnet. So uh, three against one, but uh, the TSN guys against <laughs> the Sportsnet. <laughs> Brad Faye's a pretty good golfer as well. Yeah, I've got a friend. Uh, he's actually hopped on the show in the past. His name's Sam McKee. He works at Sportsnet. Um, he's a producer there, and he's a. Uh, I I got out for two. I've been out for two nines this year, and I was out with him for one round. And uh, yeah, it was good. He's a he's a good golfer. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I, should no. for, I shouldn't forget. I'm forgetting people, but Brian Hayes is uh, Brian Hayes doesn't play a lot, but but he he can't actually play. I always tease him about there's the uh, break. What was it breaking 150 at the national? That <laughs> big thing, but uh, he's he's a pretty good player. Too. Yeah, I think he said he had like a 78 last year at the end of the year, and that was a true 78. I think uh, O Dog even confirmed it. I don't think he gave him any strokes or anything. So that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Um, what about you? What's uh, what's kind of what's your low round, Bob? Uh, I have, um, I, I have a game where I will break 80 two or three times a year and I will be in the nineties five or six times a year. And then everything else is kind of in the eighties. I'm sort of like a, I'm sort of like my far these days is about 83. And I, I must say up until last year, I didn't get a chance to play enough because I was traveling so much. It'd be 120 nights on the road. And most of those sort of between April and October, um, and sometimes after you've been at a golf tournament for eight days and grinding it out and what, you know, the last thing you want to do is go to a golf course. So, so, but last year was great. I kind of got bitten by the bug again and I, um, and I played about 50 times and, uh, my low round last year, I think I had a 77 and, um, my high round, I don't know what it was, but I know that my dad who was 88. I said, beat me on a nine goal round one year. So one, one time last year. So it had to be in the nineties and probably up a little bit in the nineties. So. Uh, I have fun with it. I enjoy it. Um, I've never been a great golfer by any means. I've been a single-digit handicap for, you know, for short periods of time. Maybe when I was in high school and university, I was pretty good. But um, I just love the game, and I have fun, and I can get myself around and, and without too much of an embarrassment. And I have my gang that I play with, and uh, we have a lot of fun at it. And so uh, that's what I love about golf is that, you know, I can go and play with a two-handicapper or a five-handicapper. I can play with Mark Sacchino, or I can play with my dad and nobody really cares what the bottom line is as far as I'm concerned. We just have fun. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's, that's kind of where my game is too. I've been away from the game. I, everybody got bit again by the bug last year. So I'd been away for a little while with an injury, but I think I had, um, well, I played Black Bear last year uh, out in Belleville. That was one of my first rounds, and I'm not sure if you played there, but that is a punishing course if you cannot hit the ball straight. And I, I'm a straight ball hitter, but uh, it wasn't in my first couple of rounds, so that one was punishing. But I, I think I got as low as like a 75 at court there or something. So that was that was yeah, yeah. And it's kind of it fits my game really well, though. I'm not an extremely long. I'm long off the tee. I'm not a long iron player, so it's kind of nice to. Uh, you know, I could put the ball in the middle of the fairway and then it's favorable if you do so there. Nice old Stanley Thompson design, right? So um, so what do you got in the bag? Maybe I can just, uh, before I let you go, I'll ask you what you got in the bag. Uh, yeah, I'm a tailor guy, so they've, uh, they suit me up. And uh, actually, my new clubs are just arrived a couple days ago. They're still in the box. I, I refuse to take them out until I can swing them. But so I'm going to wait till after I get back from Augusta. So I've got uh, Sim 2 driver and fairways and a hybrid. Uh, I got I switched this year. No, I didn't switch this year. I was going to go to the seven seventies or the seven nineties with the the blade, and then I just said, you know, I'm going to have more more misses with that. So I I've got the Sinmax irons, um, three wedges this year. I did one thing different this year with my wedges. I I got the high toe wedges, and I switched from 
uh, 56 and 60, and I went 58 and 54. Um, just trying to see if I can get a little bit better with the, I was always losing a little yardage. So my 54, I think I can get a hundred yards and my 56, I was having a little trouble and I want that to be a hundred yard club. So I'm going to switch that up. That was at the suggestion of uh, Bob Bokey, even though I'm not using his irons, but uh, his pitches, but he suggested that to me. And then I got the spider, uh, spider, uh, putter, um, which I've had great success with. That's one of the things that saves me a lot. So right through the bag, top to finish is, uh, is Taylor me. Very nice. Playing the TP5 or the X? Actually. nice okay yeah i uh i play the 50 54 58 combo as well so i am playing the vokies so um and nice. i know i've heard bob Voki on a few uh podcasts so he is just kind of a, a well of knowledge with the with the wedge game so um wonderful wonderful, wonderful man from montreal yeah so, so great guy yeah so well i really uh i really appreciate you taking some time bob i know you're uh you're heading down to augusta so that'll be a pretty incredible trip so thank you um stopping by and, and having a chat on the podcast and hopefully we can do this again sometime put that ball in the water and i thought it was skip if it check up too fast and i thought it was skip if it go past the flag and i thought it was sick i come ready with excuses boy i'm a quill not really sure why i started this here i can't think of nothing harder than this and the hours i hit i get darker than this stay on the range till them targets get hit don't even drink with that barf and get hit couldn't wait for the 19 just caught it a trip and i start with a fifth now i'm down to a sip Put a ball in the rough, that's another miss hit And I backed up that pitch with a horrible chip And I collapse, but I'm in a marvelous fit I got bogey, a fight for a marvelous fit